For RCR Wireless News, I'm Joey Jackson, and welcome to the inaugural edition of Cell Tower News. Today we're going to be talking to Brian Darr of Mosaic Solutions about Tower Source. Today's episode is brought to you by Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. Telecomcareers.net. Nexius, accelerating network and business transformation. All right, so we're going to start our show off today with a little uh, trip around what's going on in this in the cell tower world with our marketing director and also our cell tower news writer, Jared Matula. Jared, last week RCR reported on the second tower-related death of 2015. In an update to the story, officials have identified the man who died in the fall as 20-year-old Tyler Bresnahan of Rhode Island. According to police, the death is believed to be an accident. Bresnahan apparently died when he fell from the tower which was located in Exeter, Rhode Island. According to news reports, Bresnahan was a thrill seeker. His social media accounts pictured him hanging off of bridges, jumping off cliffs, and eerily even climbing to the top of the same tower that would claim his own life. It's still unclear whether he was authorized to be on the tower at all, but at this time, the signs are pointing to no. And in more tower-related news, RCR's Martha DeGrasse reports that tower companies, not carriers, are leading the way when it comes to investing in small cell and distributed antenna system deployments. Two of the three largest tower companies are apparently outspending wireless carriers when it comes to DAS and small cell. American Tower and Crown Castle are the two biggest tower players in the DAS and small cell space. SBA Communications recently decided to turn away from that market in favor of focus on traditional cell towers. For more on cell tower news, check out my weekly news wrap that's published every Friday on rcrwireless.com. Back to you, Joey. All right, thank you for that, Jared. And uh, so now let's get into the heart of what we're talking about, site acquisition with Brian Dar of Mosaic Solutions. So Brian, let's start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself and Mosaic Solutions. Well, uh, my goodness, I've been in the wireless industry for about 30 years, um, pretty close to it at least. Uh, Mosaic Solutions originally was called American Roamer. We've been around for 27 years, but we rebranded a number of years back uh, just because uh, we needed a uh, expand how people thought about us uh, and how we were perceived because our business had grown so much since our original product set so many years ago. Um, we are best known for uh, offering geospatial solutions with telecom business intelligence. Most people know us well for the coverage maps that you may see on television or may see on operators' websites, uh, but there's a lot more than what uh, than just that in terms of what we do. All right, Brian, thank you for that. And uh, so now let's get to talking about what's really important, why we're here, site acquisition. What exactly does that mean? Mobile telephony uh, to most of the world uh, is just magic, right? Uh, they pick up these wonderful toys, uh, these, com- these high-powered computers, uh, and they, they talk to one another, they text to one another, they watch videos, um, and it's, they don't fully understand just what is involved in actually getting that signal back and forth between the handset and that, that uh, mysterious equipment you know, on the other side. It's infrastructure uh, is how you connect uh, all of the switching equipment, all of the uh, internet, uh, all the IP equipment uh, to the device. You've got to have towers, you've got to have cell sites that are transmitting a radio frequency 
and it's a very, very complex business. It takes uh, uh, a lot of engineering to get a network to work correctly. And of course, over the years, we've seen layers of technology rolled out uh, from analog to 2G to 2.5G to 3G. You know, now we're up to, to 4G, and you've had various flavors within there with, C, with the CDMA and the GSM paths. So it's, uh, it's extraordinarily complex, but there are just thousands upon thousands of, of nodes uh, that are associated with any of these networks. Okay, Brian. All right. Uh, so what are the most important factors that people should look for when they're looking to acquire a tower? Well, uh, there are a, a whole list of criteria that are generally uh, defined by the operators themselves. The operators know where they've got either a hole in their network, where they want to expand their network, or where they're having capacity issues. It used to be it used to be that the carriers were really more concerned about expanding coverage, right? Um, you, and, and certainly as we've had different, different levels of service that have rolled out, um, that's the primary focus is trying to get as many square miles and as many people covered as possible. And you do that by adding towers or, or by adding uh, your radio equipment to the towers that already exist. You can't just tack an infinite amount of equipment onto a tower. Once a tower has has uh, filled up to its its safe level of capacity in terms of the amount of the weight that it can carry, um, or perhaps uh, even just the, the the position on a specific vertical asset uh, where you need the antennas to be uh, can be full, then you have to start looking for one, once that's no longer available at a given site, then you've got to start looking to add to the inventory of towers. Um, there are a lot of issues associated with that. The operators will say, this is an area where I need to uh, improve my service. And they will start asking for contractors uh, and, and site acquisition professionals to start looking for solutions for that particular area. And so along those lines, talking about those obstacles, you actually acquired a tower analysis software uh, called TowerSource. Tell me a little bit about that. We bought the Tower Source database last year. The Tower Source database had been around for about 20 years, and uh, it had uh, absolutely the deepest and and richest source of information for the data uh, that we're talking about here. Where the towers are located, rooftops that are available for uh, positioning equipment, and so forth. We had had people ask us for many many years to build a tower database and uh, the opportunity came along to purchase the tower source database and it just fit very well uh, with the rest of the data set that we were already maintaining for the industry and so we've acquired that but we wanted to do a lot more with it than just have a list of locations mm -hmm. we've built this new site that incorporates not only tower rooftop water tank, whatever it may be as far as the vertical asset is concerned, those types of assets into the, into the site in a fully searchable manner. But you've also got a lot of the other data that we're well known for, such as coverage, uh, such as uh, fiber routes uh, that can now be searched on within uh, that specific uh, site. And so on the other side of things, what advice would you give to somebody who is looking to lease out their space for a tower? The first thing you need to know is what other, what vertical assets already exist within the area of your search. And so that's the, that's the first thing that needs to, re, 
to be returned. Once someone picks an area, picks the location, or they pick an existing site where they, uh, they know that they need something nearby, then we want to present back to them, we do present back to them, uh, all of the other assets that we've been able to uh, gather information on that are in that area. What type of tower it is, what the height of the tower it is, who owns that tower, okay? Because uh, you've got to be able to reach out uh, once you find the assets and, and determine who is responsible for it. But you also have a lot of other information that's necessary. You need to know what municipality that's in. Zoning is a significant issue, for instance, within the tower industry. And you might have a, an area where you've got uh, two or three good spots where you could locate a tower, but knowing that you're, if you're on this side of the line, the zoning authority is difficult to work with. On the other side of the line, the zoning authority is a little more permissive. Okay. And, uh, and that can make a big difference in how long it takes and, and frankly, the success of, of ever actually being able to build a new site. Okay. And it seems like 4G is pretty solidly built out and 5G is a few years away. So what do you see that meaning to the tower industry? Well, 4G has certainly been built out significantly by two of the national operators. Uh, there is still a lot more 4G to be built out uh, through uh, both capa for capacity concerns. So even though you've got a lot of geographic area and a lot of people covered, mm -hmm. uh, there is, uh, as we continue to have capacity constraints on the network and a limited amount of spectrum, they're going to have to con continue to add more connections. But 5G, to, uh, to answer your question, 5G uh, is still yet to be clearly defined, of course, as to exactly what that means. There's a lot of opinions out there, but there's no question uh, that it's going to center around, uh, it, it's got to help solve the capacity concerns. Mm -hmm. It's going to involve densification, um, continued densification, and how do we make different, different types of wireless networks talk to one another. Um, Wi-Fi is responsible for an enormous amount of traffic over these mobile devices. You've got uh, well over 70%, perhaps 80% uh, of traffic taking place indoors over Wi-Fi networks. They're not going to solve the mobile needs. You're still going to have to have macro sites in order to be able to handle uh, what people are using when they're on the go. Uh, but the 5G uh, is certainly going to be a challenge because we've got to figure out how, how all these networks are going to work with one another, being able to hand off not just data, uh, but also calls, which will be more and more in the form of data um, using the VoIP technology that's, uh, that's already being put in place. Okay, Brian, and, and a last question, kind of off topic, not talking about site acquisition. On next week's show, we're going to be talking about stealth towers. What are your thoughts? They've gotten a lot better for one thing. Uh, we've still got some older stealth towers. Uh, the first time I ever saw one, I was sitting on a soccer field and they had put one up and the pine tree was at least uh, 30, 35 feet taller than any of the, any of the other trees around. Uh, but now uh, they really do uh, do a fantastic job of hiding these things. And uh, it's not just the church steeples that you've heard of, it's, it's cactus uh, or... <laughs> Uh, or, or specific structures that are hidden as something else. It's, it's amazing how good they've gotten. Uh, and small cells, of course, uh, can just look like a, uh, a piece of safety equipment in a building. It can look like an exit sign. It can look like almost anything. 
All right, Brian, thank you for joining us, and we look forward to talking with you again. So now we're going to transition into something a little more fun. We're going to take a look at what's going on in some of the Tower Climber Facebook uh, posts. They're, they've got a lot of very interesting, funny things that they post in there. They're a very tight-knit group. And so this week's image is going to be somehow a group of snakes got... <laughs> got up on a cell tower and uh, our good friend uh, Chad McGuire took a picture of it. Uh, this is the picture. There's, as you can see, a lot of snakes up on that tower. So we'll leave you with that and uh, you, you all be safe out there and uh, we'll see you next time. Cell Tower News is a production of RCR TV. To reach Joey Jackson or suggest a show topic for Cell Tower News, contact him at jjackson at rcrwireless.com or on Twitter at duck underscore jackson. For more Cell Tower News, please visit rcrwireless.com. <laughs>